I would love to have that be the soundtrack of my day. You know, just everywhere you go, just a beat like that. Uh, I don't know what they're saying. Doesn't matter. You know, don't go ahead and look that up. You know, don't Shazam it. It might not be good, but it was a great beat, right? You know what I'm saying? So here we are. Hey, I'm so glad we're in church today. Honestly, that God's already moving in lives. This is why we are here. We're not here to hear a message. We're not here to listen to some music and have karaoke. We're here because the presence of God is in this place, and we have a hunger and a desire to grow in God. And so I don't know what you came in with, but I know that we are going to, as we turn to God's word, encounter, I mean, it's the, it's the desire of, of your heavenly Father to pour out his spirit in your life today. I want to mention one thing that uh, we are going to be uh, beginning a brand new small group season, and so uh, after Easter, so if you're not in a small group already, I'd encourage you, on your way out, we've got some laptops that'll be open where you can go and scroll through the different groups we have. Really, as we're talking about relationships, finding a way to really grow in God, that God from beginning to end in his word has made your next steps in faith uh, something that you would accomplish in community. And so if you're looking for that, I'm thrilled that we get to open that up to you. That'll run until June 15th, just so you know. It's not, you're not signing up for something that you're going to be there the rest of your life, you know what I mean? It's like we're not going to be throwing a party for you when you retire at 65. No, we'll be done June 15th. So jump in, try it out, and if you don't like it, uh, join a new one in the fall. It'll be good. Come on, somebody. So good. Hey, I want to celebrate. Like, we just believe church should not be endured but enjoyed. We want, I want to celebrate. Like, heaven was throwing parties this week because on Easter Sunday, all around the world, people made decisions to surrender their lives to God. And so I think if heaven partied all week, we should celebrate a little bit. So let me give you a little Easter report. I want to first of all celebrate that last week between the two services, uh, we had 380 people in church in our two services last week. Come on, that's amazing. (coughs) And, uh, you know, there's studies that would say, and and I'm sure they're true, that church attendance is on the decline in this part of the country, and that there are 2% of the people in our city that would be connected to a church in some way. I just love that we packed this place out twice with people that were worshiping God, pressing into God, and seeking God. And I think you're going to get even more excited when we talk about the results of the spiritual survey we ran. If you were away, we did a spiritual survey where we asked everyone to let us know where they were in one of these four places. So the, the A box was to say that I've I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and you know, I don't have a perfect walk with God, but I believe in God, and I've, I uh, believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and was, I'm, I'm following him, and that was A. And then the B box was saying, I want to begin a real relationship with Jesus today, and are you ready for it? Last week, we had 16 people let us know that they were making that decision. Come on, somebody. And if heaven partied, how much ought we to just celebrate that 16 lives got changed in this place last week, and if you were one of the ones that checked off B, I want you to know that we kept your personal information private, but we definitely had people praying for you all week, and I don't know what your week would have felt like. For some people, it is like a lightning strike in their life, and for others, you might not have felt that at all, but regardless of what you felt this week, here's the reality. The Bible says that you're a brand new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Like you're spiritually alive. And so I'm just so glad that you're here with us on the journey. And uh, really this morning as I speak on relationships, I am going to speak in such a way so that if you're one of those 16 people, you can know what would be some real next steps in your journey. What would be some building blocks? And so we're going to approach relationships from that kind of perspective today. Here's the next one. The C-Box 
uh, represented anyone who said, I'm on the journey, but I, I just, I'm not ready to make a decision yet. And I love, I love this about our church, that we had 22 people check off a C-box to say, hey, I'm, I'm not a follower of Christ, and I'm not ready to make that decision today, but I realize I'm on a journey. And I think that's amazing. Like, from when we started Resonate Church, we didn't want to just create a church where church people could come and do church people things. No, we wanted to create a place where anyone could walk in the door, no matter where you're at on the spiritual journey, and be able to say, hey, what's my next step today? And if you checked off C, honestly, the next step is, well, you're back. That's a great next step. We wanted you to be able to take that step without feeling like you had to sign up and sign away your life and do anything crazy like that. No, we just want you to come back to church. So glad you're here. And I think it's so important that we, we take time to celebrate these things. Because honestly, if you're a Resonate Church person, like this is your home, you need to know that your giving and your serving and your praying is making a difference in people's lives, right? You need to recognize that it's actually impacting and changing lives in a significant way. And so I'm excited to share those uh, reports with you. I also want to let you know we had three people check off the D box. Now, the D box meant that I'm never going to make that decision. And if that was you, you checked the D box last week or you're here this morning and you'd say, I'm atheist or I'm agnostic. I'm so glad that you decided for whatever reason in your life to walk through the doors today and uh, no matter what you would say about, you know, never making that decision, you are on a spiritual journey. And because you just can't, you can't take the spirit out of your life. It's just not something you could possibly do. That's alive. It, it, that's inside of you. And so I'm just thrilled that you chose to be with us here today. And one more time, I want to celebrate our dream team. Everyone who, from welcoming people in the parking lot to holding babies to making coffee, just all across the board to... Um, to those who are on our prayer team, just all the way through our dream team. Can we give it up for those that served last week that we got to be a part of seeing lives change? So good. But we're beginning this new series. It's called This Is Us, a series on relationships. We did a series like this last year around about this time. We will probably jump into a series like this every year or so. And I think it's important that we talk a lot about relationships in church because your salvation, the stuff we just talked about, those salvation decision moments, that's between you and God. That is just you and God and a faith decision. But God always intended for you to do the journey in the context of community. And so we're going to be talking about relationships. And we're, we're going to talk a lot actually about marriage. Marriage uh, is really important and we want to talk about how we build families. Um, but I want you to know if you're not married and maybe you'd never want to be married or maybe you're here and you're single and you're like, I would want to get married one day. I want to let you know this whole series is for you. You won't want to miss a week. You won't want to miss a meek. A meek. Um, that reminds me of something I read last night on the news where like a goat and a sheep bred. And it was like a meep they called it or a sheep. It was like a weird thing. And I saw the, and I was like, is that true? I don't even know. I need to spend less time on, on the Google. Uh, nevertheless, uh, this is where we are today. I don't even know where I was. This has nothing to do with anything. But we're in this is a series. We're talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage. But wherever you're at, every week is a can't-miss week. And I hope that you'll join us throughout the series. And uh, really, throughout the series, I want to talk today about what is the number one thing in healthy relationships. The number one thing. And this isn't just what I think. This is what the Bible says. And I got some research to back it up. I love it when science, you know, just checks off what the Bible's been saying for thousands of years. There was a study uh, in 2014 done by 
uh, a school you may have heard of called Harvard University, uh, in there, and I, had to, I have to read this, I have to get it right, uh, I'm going I'm to sound smart just saying this, it was at the Institute of Quantitative Social Science at Harvard. So one of their professors in that department, and from what I know, with no religious agenda, found something that stood out in the data was that couples that did this one thing had a 47% less chance of a marriage breakdown. They found this is this, this something that just stood out in the data as being a remarkable, um, uh, related inversely to marriage breakdown and people doing this one thing. And the one thing they found in the data was actually that couples that regularly attended church together there's other studies like this. Over the past few decades, there's been numbers of them that have, have shown kind of other, other things that are inversely related with marriage breakdown. And they found things like praying together and reading the Bible together. We're going to talk about all those things in just a few moments. But really what I want to kind of highlight at this point is those things taken together, what do they really represent? They represent the number one thing in having healthy relationships. And that is this, having a God-first life. Living a God-first life is the number one element of having healthy relationships. And you're like, well, <clears throat> duh. You know, I came to church this morning. That's like, you know, you didn't really need to say having a God-first life. That's like, I already know that. Here's why I want to start there this morning. Because there's a lot of Christians. And you want to have God involved in your life. I mean, a lot of Christians, they want to know God's will and they want to experience his blessing. But when you look at the disciplines of their life, God's just not first. And so how do we play this out? How do we play this out in our marriages? How do we play this out uh, in, our, in our relationships if you're single? Really, I want to I submit this to you. If, you are, if you're married this morning, that the way to put God first in your marriage is that God is number one and your spouse is number two. Because the way that you prioritize your spouse is by putting God first. God's got to be first. And then second, of course, is your spouse. Not your job, not your kids. No, second has got to be your spouse. God first and then your spouse. Now to the single people in the room, I want, to, I want to submit this to you. How would you go about doing this? How do you put God first if you're, if you're single right now? And it's this. If you would want to be married one day, it would be this. To not obsess over how can I find the right one, but to obsess over how close can I get to God? When, I, when Rachel and I first started dating, uh, we went for a coffee date, and I had just heard a pastor say something pretty similar to this. Like, um, you know, I think what the pastor had said was, um, don't, don't worry about trying to find the right one. Try to become what that right one would look like, or something like that. It was like, it was just it was a great line. And so I'm sitting there on this date with Rachel, and I remember this moment vividly, and you'll understand why in a moment. Um, I remember we were sitting at Starbucks. I remember the Starbucks. It was the one across the street from Guilford Mall. Um, and we were sitting along the window. I was facing northbound. Um, <laughs> I remember this moment, trust me. And, you, and again, you'll see why in a minute. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, you know what? This girl's amazing. And I, I want to impress her. I can do my, what am I going to say to her? And I, was, I thought about that line that that pastor had said. And I'm like, oh, that pastor was, I'm going to figure out a way to say that line. I should have really been more engaged with being attuned to what she was saying at the time. But I'm just kind of working this out in my head. Anyways, we've worked through a lot of those issues. But nevertheless, <laughs> we're still working through them. Anyway, so, so I'm trying to work this out in my head. And I'm like, well, how am I going to say this? How am I going to word this? And so I'm like, ah, I got it. I'm going to say to her, you know, I've spent my whole life trying to become worthy of a girl like you. And I was like, you know, you can say, Ah, uh, that's pretty sweet, right? Yeah. Or not, it's cheesy, whatever, it's good. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, 
So I get it all worked out in my head, and and she's like, she's sitting across me. She's looking so good. She's looking southbound, and she's looking so good. And I'm like, I'm going to say this. You know, I've I've been living my whole life trying to become worthy of a girl like you. But again, she's so gorgeous, and I'm so nervous that I kind of left a couple words out. And I was like, I've spent my whole life trying to become a girl like you. (laughs) The southbound look was confused at that point. She was like, what? What do I do with that, you know? <laughs> Thankfully, she was able to see through my corniness, through my cheesiness, and through my faults to see, hey, God was first in my life. And if you want to become attractive to the kind of person that you would want to marry, then how do you go about it? Well, you live a, a God-first life. And how do we do that? I want to talk this morning about three really simple things. As I said before, these are, if you're new in the faith journey, these are building blocks. Why bring up these kind of building blocks. Well, one, we've just had a whole bunch of people make decisions for Christ. That's a good reason to talk building blocks. But secondly, these are the sorts of things that we already know, but a lot of us just don't do. And so this morning, I want to talk about some ways that Rach and I have practiced these things, and honestly, some ways that we're looking at, and for the next few weeks, we're saying in this series, we are going to resume and get, and and actually press deeper into some things. There's There's some areas where we need to get sharper and in uh, some of the things that we know we want to do but we haven't been doing and so I want to talk about three ways to live a God first life before I say the three things I, I want to suggest this attitude about these three things because as we talk about the the disciplines or the practices of healthy relationships and this week will especially be really practical because I want to give you things that you can carry through these four weeks together, kind of give you a lot of the, the practical stuff up front so we can walk it out together. Now, I think what we need to have at some point, something in this is going to be difficult for you. Like at some point, something is actually, to be honest, probably not going to feel that great. You're, you're going to hear about some sort of uh, way of relating and, and you're going to be like, oh man, I wish I, I'd been doing that for a long time. Like you kind of have some regret. You look back like, why? Here's another thing. We'll talk about healthy relationships. And you might even just look back to some broken ones and, and just be, oh, like, this is kind of heavy. This is challenging. And so here's the, the heart and the mindset I would hope that we would have for this series. And that's to have a from this moment on mindset. From this moment on mindset. Really, I actually got this idea from a great book. And there's a couple study resources I'll be using throughout the series. I want to mention them now. One is a book by Pastor Craig Groeschel called From This Day Forward. And then another, which is a series by that same title, a pastor by the name of Chris Hodges, he kind of took the book and made it into a series, and I'll be using a little bit of the material from both of those guys. But this is the heartbeat that we need to approach this series with, is from a this moment on. I might not have been doing these things in the past. I might not be perfect at them today. But over the course of these next four weeks, I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm going to do something from this moment on. And the Bible actually gives us uh, such great grace to be able to approach life like this. Listen to the book of Lamentations, and it is what it sounds like. It's a book of lamenting right in the middle of the Bible. There's this beautiful understanding that comes to the prophet Jeremiah here. He's got some things going on around him, as well as in his own life, that are just making him say, like, I am just beat down. And listen to what he says in verse 17. He says, my soul is bereft. He's like, I feel deprived of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. And so I say, my endurance has perished, so is my hope from the Lord. And then he talks about kind of how he looks back in the rearview mirror and, 
And what he sees as he looks back and he sees affliction and he sees wandering and he sees some bitterness and gall. And then in verse 20, he says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. So his soul has this propensity to look back and to ruminate on the past. And when he does that, he feels pushed down. He feels low. Now watch how he shifts his thinking. He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And here's what the prophet is saying. He's saying, if I'm going to shift my thinking from being heavy and weighed down and ruminating on the past and the mistakes I've made in relationships, well, what do I got to do? I got to realize I got a blank page. And I think this is so important for so many of us in the room today. That you need to know that because of God's goodness, you've got a blank page today. Every time the sun comes up, God is saying to you, my mercy for you today is brand new. It's a brand new page. Now that does not mean that you need to go home and say to your spouse when they say, hey, we've got some things to work on. Hey, baby, didn't you hear the pastor say, we got a blank page. All those mistakes I made in the past, out the door. We're free. Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> no, you got to work through that stuff with your spouse. The blank page from God gives you the strength to dig in and fix the stuff that's broken, not pretend it's not there. But you need to know you got a blank page from God. And please understand, that God, when it comes to the blank page from God, God is one day going to judge every sin of our past. But God did not want to judge you, and that's what the cross was about. That's what Easter was for. And so understand, God's judgment will be poured out on sin, but he does not want to judge you. And so God makes a way, and he says, I want to give you a blank page every day. That's going to be the strength to live a from this moment on kind of life. Come on, somebody. Amen. So good, so good. So what are the three things I want to talk about? The first way to seek a God-first life in our relationships is this. It's, it's, it's very simple. These are the building blocks. We need to pray together. We need to pray together. Let's look at this from the scripture. James talks about praying together. We read this verse last week in a different context. We focused on this first part where he says, Therefore confess your sins to one another. Now watch, he says this, And pray for one another. Like, this is a big deal. In your relationships, pray for one another that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Pray for one another. Now, Rach and I, we've, we've never really been kind of start the morning off with a lot of prayer time together. We both do private devotion in the morning. We, we, and some, some couples do this. Some couples I know, they actually spend a lot of their prayer time together. That's wonderful. There's nothing right or wrong about one method or another. But I want to submit to you something that Rach and I do that really works for us. And I think this is a great building block thing for people. Something that we do all the time is that we send one another text throughout the day saying, hey, I know you're going into that meeting. I want you to know I'm praying for you right now. And we actually pray for one another in that moment. And here's the great thing about it. And I want to speak to the guys. This is for you guys. Kind of check this one out, guys. This is good. This will be good for you. When you text her that you're praying for her and she's about to do something important, 
not only does the prayer impact her, but the fact that you remembered impresses her, right? So you got the impact of prayer, and then you've got the impression of the fact that you actually remembered she had something to do. Now, these, this is, so that's something we do. We're just constantly texting one another. And here's another thing for prayer, I think, in, in the context of couples. Prayer is a powerful builder of intimacy. I mean, one of my favorite moments of my prep for Sunday mornings is, is and we never really kind of talked about this. It's just something we do. We just reach... Rachel reach around me kind of before I get up here to sometime in the worship, she'll just reach around me and just, God, I pray you'd use, is like a powerful moment. And God is speaking to us. This is also, honestly, this is like kind of like an intimate connection when as a couple, you're praying together, right? And if you want to know more about the intimacy side of relationships, you know, the one that you really want to know about, uh, that's going to be week four. Don't miss week four, right? Like just get that in the calendar. Don't go away. He's like, honey, like, why don't you want to go away anymore? We had that whole vacation plan. And he's like, baby, we're staying home. I want to hear this. We need this. We're going to church on the fourth week. Let's do it in Jesus' name. Okay. So whether you're married, whether you're single, here's the, here's the key. Just, just honestly praying for one another. And there's some stress around this, around praying publicly, around praying out loud. I get that. And that's why I'd even encourage you in that next step. Just, just be sending those texts. Just, hey, I'm praying for you. And maybe you, you know, and the thing is that how you do it, how you start is not the most important thing with next steps. Oftentimes, it's just that you start, right? Like, find a way to engage. Find what works for you. You know, maybe for you, it's like, I just, when I'm in conversations with friends, I'm just going to intentionally, anything they tell me they're struggling with, before we leave, maybe in that moment right there, I'm going to pray for them. I'm just going to make that commitment. But I'm just going to know, hey, if you tell me you've got a big uh, work assignment coming up this week, okay, can I pray for you? Or, before, again, before you, before you close out, you've got, you got a job interview. What is, it, what is it that you're hearing people say? And this is why I said, you know, this is why at, at Resonate Church, we love prayer in so many different forms. I love that a few weeks ago we had people come forward and pray at the altars. And our lead team, altar, if you don't know what that is, let's just call that the front of the church. People came and they prayed at the front of the church. And it was amazing. We're going to do that again. We love that. We do 21 days of prayer at the start of the year, in the middle of the year. We pray in the lobby every week. And I said this then. I said, why do we oftentimes kind of pray in the lobby? Because people are like, man, shouldn't prayer be like this more like intimate setting at the front of a church? And I'll say to people, honestly, that's not even in the Bible. Now, I don't, I'm not against altar prayer. I love it. I, some of the best moments of my life were the front of a church, someone praying for me as there was worship music. Like I've, I've literally just had powerful times of God here. But the Bible, trust me, where you see prayer in the Bible is like they're rolling down a street and then they're praying for one another and someone gets healed. And it's like, you know, there's some guy and, you know, there's like a eunuch in a chariot. And then like, you know, there's like, oh, I'm going to pray for you there. And there's, <laughs> this is like, this is what happens. They're house to house. And they're praying for one another. This is the culture we want to build in our church. If the Bible was written today, they'd be adding in there. Well, and, then, and then Peter sent a text message to Paul and he's like, yo, bro, I'm praying for you today. Come on, someone. I just don't like that they're slipping in there trying to spy on your freedom in Christ. Let's just don't even worry about that. And uh, no, I'm going off. It's a different thing. That's a message you're like, what is he even talking about? Spying on freedom. <laughs> Galatians. It's good. It's good. Let's move on. Pray for one another. Secondly, secondly, these are not rocket science. This is not rocket science week. Come on. But these are building blocks that I know we're not, we're not all doing these things that, the way that we should. Secondly, we need to uh, discuss the Bible together. Discuss the Bible together. Now, this was one where Rach and I, because we, we, we sat together as we were planning out the series, and we're like, do we do these things? <laughs> so we have a couple ways that we absolutely do discuss the Bible together. One of them, and I mentioned this earlier, is our small group. When our small group gets together, we talk about the Bible together. That's an, that's an avenue where maybe if you're not doing any discussion of the Bible with anyone, get in a small group. It's a great place to do it. So we do that. 
I also listen to a podcast every week because um, I like my preaching. It nourishes me spiritually, but I like to listen to somebody else every week. And so I listen to a podcast. And then Rachel and I will always talk about what I've taken away from that. So there are ways that we're discussing the Bible. But when we sat together and we said, we actually should do this more. And so what we decided that we were going to do is that we're going we're gonna to put it in, just a little reminder on our Thursday night date nights, that we're going to talk, have a, have a conversation every week. What's God been saying to you from his word this week? And we're just going to, you know, we're, we're going to put that in for four weeks. And that's, you know, just saying for the, for the duration of this series, let's just practice some new habits. Let's do some new things. That's the application uh, for us. And here's the thing. We won't be doing that so we can check off some religious checkbox in the category that says, did we discuss the Bible together enough as a couple this week? That's not the point. The point is, we want God involved in our lives, and so we want to live a God-first life, and so we're going to put God first. Again, the point isn't, isn't the practice necessarily of what you're starting. It's that you start. It's that you're doing something uh, in your relationships, discussing the Bible together. So the first was to pray together. The second was to discuss the Bible together. And here's the third, and this is the one that we already, I already mentioned there kind of early from Harvard. So, you know, question me on this one, though you may, but like, you know, Harvard, right? So whatever, it's like, I got the research on this one. No, we got to, here it is, the third thing, God first life in our relationships. How do we do it? We go to church together as a couple. And I think what we might, kind of the response reaction to this one would be like, hey, we're all in church, right? Let's leave this one behind. We're all here. But I just want to call us to another level, to a higher level. That as families in the house of God, that church would be the can't-miss thing. Not one among the many, not like we kind of set it aside at times to do this or that. No, like church becomes the can't-miss thing. And I hope you understand, I'm not saying this because we're trying to build church attendance, that we're saying this because we want to build God-first lives that real amazing results of God's involvement in your life, that builds amazing relationships. Look at Jesus. I love this. Jesus' pattern of church attendance. Jesus in Luke 4, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Note these last words. I love this. As was his custom. You know what that's saying? Jesus didn't wake up on the Sabbath and say, should I go to church today? He had a custom. This is what I do. I have a discipline. This is how I roll. He didn't wake up and, and just try and decide. I met someone this morning. Uh, I said, I'm not gonna tell, I can't tell this story. Y'all are just, no one will talk to me. I can't tell these stories. This is good. She's got a great heart and you won't even know who she is. So it's good. I know she's good with it. I met someone this morning and they said that they had a friend coming to church and so they got here on time. And I looked at her and I said, you don't always? Honestly, I think it's time that we stop praying for things we won't be disciplined for. Like if we want to raise God first kids, let's stop praying that God will help us raise God first kids and be faithful in the house of God. Don't pray for stuff you won't be disciplined for. Stay at home Sunday parents don't raise we go to church kids. 
And we've just decided for our family. Like, these are the memories we want our kids to have. We want our kids to have the memories that God's all up involved in my life. So what do we do with this? You know, I love the Bible from beginning to end is a story of families, is a story of connections, is a story of community. I love that the Bible lets us know that these next steps that we get to take in God happen in the context of being around one another. So what do we do? Or we're just going to decide from this, from this moment on some things are going to be different. And look at me and, and just hear this last part as we close. To say I'm not going to look at my past and be stuck in the way my relationships have worked in the past. But to believe that from this day forward some things are going to be different. That I'm going to take hands with the people that are around me in my life. And I'm going to choose to live a God first life. And from this day forward, we're going to have a, a fresh start. We're going to start fresh, and we're going to start again in Jesus' name. We're going to live a God-first life. We're going to know God's involvement in our lives. And, and the whole church, come on, everybody say it with me. The big amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, this has been a real, some real practical thoughts from your word today. And now I just pray in, in these moments of response that you'd speak. God, thank you for your steadfast love and that your mercies were new this morning. And we, we receive that strength to make shifts and changes in our relationships so that you'd be first. And I pray, God, in this series, you would call us to a new place in you, not so that we would be more religious, not so we would have more on our to-do list, but actually so that what matters most, you being first and you being involved in our lives would be what we would see, live, and experience for your glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning. And for you, living a God-first life isn't going to be a couple tweaks here and there to some things that are practices of your life. But today you say, I, I need, I've never put God first in my life. Before we close the service this morning, I want to pray for you. Today is your day of decision. Just like those 16 people last week said, today I'm going to begin a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Today you'd say, I want to make that decision today to put God first in my life. He's not first in my life. And if that's you all over the room th this morning, I just want you to go ahead and we're not going to call you forward or embarrass you. No one looking around. It's just between you and God. I want you to go ahead and slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me this morning. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision to become a Christian today, to begin a real relationship with God. I want God first in my life. Just slip up your hand, hold it up for a moment, and then you can put it back down. And then I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. Whether you raise your hand or you, you didn't, but you know you want to make that decision today. Would you pray this with me? Come on, church, help me out. Say, dear Jesus, give you my life, and I'm going to follow you. And I put you first in my life today. I believe you died, rose again, and I receive your forgiveness. 
that blank page and I choose to follow you. I say you're the Lord of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together all over the room for those who made that decision?